Hey there, welcome to 2023. I wanted to jump into this year with an episode in which you get to hear just from me. I've only done this once before, but the start of a new year feels like a good time to do this. I want to rewind the clock and give you a bit of an origin story of the Untangled Faith podcast and how it came to be. So sit back and relax. This is going to be Storytime with Amy. This is Amy Fritz, and you are listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. The beginning of a new year often gives us a chance to take personal inventory I did that last year and decided I needed to find a counselor. It's been one of the best decisions I have ever made. If you've been considering this for yourself, Faithful Counseling makes it so easy to get started. You can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith Podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat and text. There are more therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Fill out a questionnaire and you will be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. So I've always loved words. There's been a part of me that has wanted to be a writer for as long as I can remember. In 2013 or 2014, I started investing more time in sharing my words. I had a blog like many of us did then. And as I was working out my thoughts and ideas on my blog, I dabbled in all different sorts of content, but it didn't take long for me to realize that what I really was passionate about was spiritual development and untangling the legalism that so many of us had subscribed to. I grew up with James Dobson's focus on the family show playing daily in my house. I went to a Christian school that meant well, but gave out trophies for being Christ-like. And as I see reviews these days of that curriculum, The racism and stereotyping throughout all of that curriculum is so clear. It was also the era of basic life principle seminars led by Bill Gothard. My pastors took trips to Chicago to learn how to do church growth and leadership from Bill Hybels. Conservative talk radio, most often Rush Limbaugh, played in our family vehicles as we did errands or on road trips. My adult life has been filled with the realization that so many of those people and systems that influence what I believe being a good Christian look like weren't who or what I thought they were. In 2002, one of the most revered pastors of a large church in the Twin Cities, near where I lived, returned from a mission trip and was met at the airport by elders from his church, letting him know that church leaders had become aware of serial infidelity on his part. The church had just moved into a huge new facility, and the elders made the difficult and right decision in terminating his employment. In 2003, around the same time, Nathan and I were getting married. 
news was breaking that Rush Limbaugh had some serious issues with abusing prescription pain medication. And I'm not sure how to explain the sick feeling that I had over a radio personality who I didn't even know personally. But it was following that reporting that made me start wondering why I had admired him so much. I'm actually thinking of doing an entire season on unpacking the influence of Limbaugh because there is a lot there. A few years after that, I started reading the accounts of those who had been abused by Bill Gothard. There were too many similarities in their accounts to dismiss them. And the hits kept coming. Former pastor of Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll, another hero of many in the evangelical community at that time, revealed himself to be an arrogant, bullying ass. Fast forward to more recent years. In 2016, Donald Trump gained the nomination of the Republican Party, and folks like Dobson and others who had previously claimed so clearly that character mattered in a president were now singing a different tune. Two years after that, in the spring of 2018, Bill Hybels resigned because brave whistleblowers came forward to tell of his sexual misconduct. And in the same year, there was reporting on Pastor James McDonald about his abusive conduct. That's a lot. So many people I grew up viewing as the standard bearers of Christianity turned out to be hypocrites and grifters and abusers. And it wasn't just public figures that I was seeing making a mess of things. It was also experiences I was living through firsthand. I've never mentioned this before on the podcast, but the youth pastor's wife of the church we first attended in Franklin when we moved to Tennessee was indicted for sexual exploitation of a minor and statutory rape. Our church addressed it one time to the entire congregation and never mentioned it again while we were there. And there were other issues of mishandling allegations of sexual misconduct. That was all on top of what we experienced with learning our pastor had plagiarized all of his sermons. The issues of unhealthy Christian organizations and leaders felt very personal to me. Working through this with my words has been helpful to me. However, around 2016-ish, there was something that stopped me from writing publicly about it as much as I really wanted to. It was the fact that my husband Nathan was working for Dave Ramsey, another high-profile Christian figure, and the more I paid attention to the news of people like Hybels and Driscoll and McDonald, the more similar I saw that they were to Ramsey. I know I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but in the fall of 2018, as I read the World Magazine article, Hard Times at Harvest, regarding James McDonald, the blindness I had been hanging onto regarding Ramsey lost most of its power over me. Maybe my subconscious decided I was ready to see it, or maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I'm guessing it was both. Either way, by the time I finished that article, I knew that Ramsey's days were numbered. I knew someday there would be an article in a newspaper that revealed the ugly hidden side. I didn't know when, but I was absolutely certain it would happen. It scared me into silence. I was finally acknowledging the red flags to myself and praying desperately that I was wrong. If you haven't heard all that transpired over the next several months after that, you can catch up starting at episode 17. But for now, I'm going to fast forward to 2019. That was the year that my husband realized he needed to resign from his job at Ramsey Solutions. Once Nathan left Ramsey, I felt a certain amount of freedom to write again. I couldn't write everything because the time wasn't right. Next week, I'm going to share a really powerful episode I recorded with some friends about what we did during that season where we couldn't really clearly speak publicly. 
So I couldn't say all of the things that I wanted to say, but I could start to talk about what I had been reading and learning. And I was no longer afraid that it might cost Nathan his job. It felt really good. I shared a playlist of the songs that had been my soundtrack while I was desperately praying and begging that things would work out for Nathan's job. I wrote about begging God for answers and finding more of him instead. I wrote about another unexpected answer to 100 days of praying. Then I finally wrote about Nathan leaving his job, but it was short on details and long on lessons learned. I wrote about lament. I wrote a sweet tribute to my husband and my oldest son. I wrote about something I knew for sure about my father. I wrote about death and growth and best laid plans. I wrote about work that matters. And then in January of 2020, I started writing about abuse in our churches. I wrote about the lessons learned from Harvest Bible and Willow Creek. I wrote an article talking about the bite model and applied it to some of their recent reporting on the Acts 29 organization. I wrote about the problem with unconditional loyalty and narcissism in the church. Finally, in the spring of 2020, right at the point when many people were working from their homes, it seemed like the right time to share more details about why Nathan had resigned from his job. I spent so many hours and days writing and praying. I carefully chose each word. I knew they would be scrutinized. I knew that I was taking a risk and I knew that I needed to do my very best to communicate clearly and honestly. I just read it again, actually, and I am ridiculously proud of it. I'm ridiculously proud of me. It took guts to share that. I didn't know about anyone else who had spoken so clearly about leaving Ramsey at the time. I shared that post on April 15, 2020. Within just a couple days, one of Nathan's former coworkers, Dan, messaged him to ask if he could come over and chat. Dan was still working at Ramsey Solutions, and I was terrified. I wondered if he was coming to shame us for being public. So I held my breath, but it turned out he wanted to hear everything. So we sat in our backyard and told him the entire story. He took detailed notes and told us that he believed us, but he wanted to do his due diligence to verify as much as he could. And that including conversations with other people and a trip to the Williamson County clerk. All that he learned corroborated our accounts. He started searching for a job and gave his notice to Ramsey leadership about a month after the conversation in our backyard. He was clear with his boss and those over that man why he was resigning. And he shared that he had looked into what had happened and found evidence that greatly disturbed him. Now there are a million more details, but what's important is that it seems that his resignation was a tipping point. And Ramsey leadership decided it was time to attempt to silence those who had information that might harm them. So after our friend resigned, many of those on the digital development team were pulled into meetings and told lies and half-truths about us and others. And while those meetings were happening, we were delivered letters and emails from Daniel Cortez, the Ramsey general counsel, threatening us. The letters and meetings telling Ramsey employees lies about us would have been bad enough, but they didn't stop there. The Ramsey CTO, Brendan Wolfschko, set up a meeting with Nathan's new employer. Later, Nathan's employer reported that in that meeting, Brendan had questioned Nathan's integrity and made it very clear that Ramsey was willing to sue us and that Nathan's new employer may also be at risk of legal action. Just as I had found my voice, Ramsey was doing their level best to take it away. I wish I could tell you that we ignored the threat and carried on as usual, 
But I can't say that because that is not what happened. It wasn't just our family that Ramsey had targeted. It was several other families we cared about. I felt like I had put their income at risk. And so I decided I wanted to do whatever I could to protect them. I took down my blog post and was publicly silent. I felt completely defeated. After spending so much time censoring myself, my words were being locked away again. I spent the next seven months having lots of conversations with God about it. I journaled a lot. I asked many questions and I also fielded several inquiries from reporters who were interested in what was happening. I'm going to share a conversation on the podcast later on about the process of going on the record with a journalist, but right now I'm going to fast forward again to December of 2020. I knew Bob Smetana was going to do an article on Ramsey. He was looking for folks to go on the record. Do you know how difficult it is for a journalist to get someone on the record about Ramsey? Very, very difficult. I figured I would share background information that might help him, and I would pray someone or several someones would go on the record for him. And that's when I felt this heavy feeling that someone needed to go first. If someone would just be willing to go first, others would likely have the courage to do so too. And maybe I could go first. It had been about six months since Ramsey threatened us. The fear I had was mostly gone. We knew the worst that could happen. We were also prepared for Nathan to get a different job if it came down to it. We wouldn't put his employer in the place of having to spend money on a legal fight because of Nathan. We didn't think it would come to that, but we were prepared for that. In early January, 2021, I sat and impatiently refreshed the religion news service site, waiting for that article to drop. Here's a little crazy note. We actually found a cached version of the article before it was published officially. That article being published was a huge deal in more than one way. I don't take for granted that so many are going through difficult situations where their voice is taken from them and they will never have an avenue to regain it as publicly as the religion news service. I got my voice back that day. I logged into my website and republished my article about leaving Ramsey, and I've left it up ever since. Over the next couple of months, I prepared to launch this podcast, offering a place of healing and sense-making for those who have felt like their voice has been stolen from them, has been life-changing. It's my desire to help you get your voice back in whatever way that might look in your situation. My life looks nothing like I envisioned, and the timeline of how this has played out was not anything I would have chosen, but somehow it has been what it needed to be. I'm looking forward to 2023 being a year of doing more, sharing personally with you here, as well as on my Substack with my writing. This week, I'm sharing some behind the scenes photos and screenshots and give some more insight into what was happening that you didn't all see with Nathan's resignation, the C&D, and the article that came out in January of 2021. P.S. You will never regret documenting your life. You never know when those photos and screenshots might come in handy. Thanks for letting me share a glimpse into the origin story of the Untangled Faith podcast. It feels great to be back here with new content. As we jump into 2023, there are a couple of super simple things you can do that make a huge difference for the growth and sustainability of the show. First, wherever you listen, click the follow or subscribe button. Second, if you could go to YouTube and search for the Untangled Faith podcast and subscribe there as well, that would help immensely. I've been sharing some video content from the show there, and I don't want you to miss that. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can easily find that. 
Speaking of show notes, you can find the show at untanglefaithpodcast.com. And for more information about supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash untangledfaith. I would love to keep this conversation going over on Twitter or Instagram or through the Facebook page. I'm Untangled Faith on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm Faith Untangled on Twitter. The Untangled Faith podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amy Fritz. A special thanks to my Patreon supporters. This podcast is made possible by their support. A special thank you to producers Michelle Pionic, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsyth, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.